welcome. I'm Lauren Rosen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I'm Kelly Frankie, licensed marriage and family therapist. And this is Purely OCD. Kelly and I are OCD specialists who happen to also be in recovery from OCD ourselves. Each week we meet to talk about all things OCD, one topic at a time. You may notice we try to bring a little levity and humor to our discussion around this deeply painful disorder, as this has been a very powerful tool for our own recovery as well as our clients. If you'd care to join us, we record live on Mondays at 12.30 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube. We generally answer a few questions from our live viewers related to whatever topic we're covering that week. And if there's a topic you'd like covered, you can also submit a request on our website, purelyocd.com. And if you do find this podcast helpful, please leave us a review so we can gain more visibility to reach more people like yourself and help spread awareness of what it's like to live with OCD. Quick reminder, this is not intended as therapy or as a replacement for therapy. This is for educational purposes only. So without further ado, here is this week's episode. Good afternoon. Hello, everybody. Welcome. Yeah, welcome. How, how are you today, friend? I'm, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about existential OCD and, and the recovery from existential OCD with, with my best bud. Yeah. Let's talk about some exposures, shall we? Let's do it. Where, okay. where shall we begin? Whew. Um, well, we've talked about an array of different variants of this obsession and compulsions. So I guess it depends on where we want to start. Yes. that's With uh, which variation. Exactly. Because there are so many different ways that this particular theme can manifest. It's almost like it needs several different subtypes below it. <laughs> no, they kind of all do. Yeah, for yeah. sure. They do. It does. Um, but just to, just to remind everybody, you know, when we're talking about exposure and response prevention and we're talking about exposures, we, I want to emphasize, and I'm sure Lauren does, that when we're doing active exposures, it's just as important that we're not compulsing while doing that exposure because otherwise you've undermined the hard work and yeah absolutely that's In fact, no no good that's no, no good right. um i think if you have to choose one response prevention is always the choice because there are as we've talked about many times on here exposures everywhere and so yep so if we can, in response prevention, meaning not doing actual compulsions versus adding in the exposures. And oftentimes, you know, especially like near end of treatment, the exposure is just exposure mindset, right? It's more of like, we're not going to compulse. We're going to just lean into things that make us uncomfortable, and sometimes people get in this trap of, I, I'm not going to get better unless I do my exposures. Yeah. And yeah. that's, that's a whole nother, you know, rabbit hole. Well, so yeah, uh, absolutely. It's so true though, that this, this concern about, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm not going to get better because I'm not doing exposure work or I'm not doing the right exposure work, yeah. um, comes up a lot for people. Um, <laughs> But so let's, let's take a concrete example though. 
Mm-hmm. Like any, any old example and talk about what the exposure part is and what the response prevention part is, and maybe about how doing response prevention could happen even in the absence of the, the exposure. Yeah. So we could talk about like, is this real or am I real? Is the world around me real? Yep. Um, so if that's your main source of anxiety, yeah. this potential that you're not living in reality or that what you see is not reality, then there are likely to be a lot of things that would trigger that concern. What are, what are some examples of that? Uh, this could be a variety of movies Ooh, where yeah. that promotes that. Um, Matrix, we've talked about in the past. Um, yeah. Truman, Truman Show. Show. Yeah. Um, Shutter Island, you know, that's has that I'm not mentally well flavor to it, though, too. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Or it could be a ghost. Ooh, yeah. Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense. Sorry, spoilers, but what are you going to do? Yeah. I hate um, <laughs> If you haven't seen it, it's been a long time since the 90s. So um, <laughs> so anyway, um, <laughs> yes, you're right. There's plenty of time to catch up. There's been a lot of time. I think it was a 90s thing anyway. Hmm. No, there's, there's lots of movies that can be uh, triggering, as we've said before as well, that um, states of depersonalization, de- derealization mm-hmm. uh, can also be very triggering. Um so the, those are a couple of triggers that you might come across. So let's just say that somebody's watching the Truman Show and they have this subtype, they have this fear related to what if I'm, what if this isn't reality? What if what I see is this not- is like a stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yep. And, and, and then they have, they watch this movie and they're like, oh my gosh, that's my worst fear, right? Well, we've done now an exposure by watching this film. Mm-hmm. Even watching a scene within the film, film yes, for sure, theoretically an exposure. And so, what is the response prevention part of it? So, the response prevention piece in all of this would be making sure that you're tracking your mental rumination that's going on, because oh, buddy, if mm. you're telling yourself, oh, buddy, hey, oh, buddy hang on, if yeah. you're going. Let's say in session, we're sitting with a client, we're watching a clip. Let's say it's a one minute, two minute clip. And you just see like that blank look in their face. (laughs) Snap out of it. Snap out of it. It's like you want to be reflective in that you're saying, am I giving myself reassurance? Am I telling myself, oh, this is, you're fine. You know, this is just a movie. Um, I have lots of evidence that proves that this wouldn't be the case. I'm not Jim Carrey. <laughs> though everyone probably wishes they were as funny. At least I think I'm not Jim Carrey. Might be. Maybe we're, yeah, being John Mal- Malkovich is another great thing <laughs> yes. of, that's a trigger, but I digress. Um, yeah. yeah. So watching the, the mental rumination. And right? really staying grounded and present in your feeling that's going mm-hmm. on in your body, noticing even your mind trying to pull into giving you, you reassurance or yep. looking for evidence or tracking the past or bringing up memories, anything like that. Yep. So, and I think that this brings up a good point, which is that response prevention isn't all or none. Sometimes we're going to catch ourselves in the response. I think that's yeah. particularly true with mental compulsions and that's okay. Totally and, okay. And part of it, everyone's going to do it. 
Yep. Absolutely. It's when you recognize, oh, wow, I'm, you know, I'm ruminating. What do you do then? That's, that's the question. That's where response prevention can come into play. Um, And in that too, I think, uh, you know, checking your emotional temperature is a big one. Like, oh, well, does this feel real? Yeah. We talked about before. Um, Any other compulsions that you think, like, I can see reassurance seeking, for instance, coming up here. So, that would mean that the response prevention would be refraining from asking for reassurance. So if you want to ask whoever you're watching the movie with, like, hey, we don't live in the Truman Show, right? That's never happened to you before, right? <laughs> That's Or there's really to me, like, the other day I was driving and I noticed that my radio does this every time I go by there. Isn't that strange? Like there's a lot of ways you can get super sneaky with your reassurance seeking. Yep. So, yep. Beware. Absolutely. That's such a important point. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Oh, have you ever had the thought that you might be in a, like, an alternate reality um, or that you might not be real or whatever? Yeah. Um, I think you could find yourself doing physical compulsions with this subtype as with any, you know, you might yeah, like, like grabbing, pinching yourself. Yeah. Touching yeah. things and make sure they're real. Exactly. I I think the one where you're saying like, does this feel real is a big one. Yes. Do absolutely. I feel like I'm in my body? And to clarify, there's no way of feeling that. We're, we're testing anxiety, I think, really more than anything, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there is no way to feel like, uh, feel real doesn't real. mean it's anything. It's not a feeling. Yeah. It's just... It's like, I don't feel like myself. Well, what does yourself feel like? That's my, my question for that one is like that, that yourself feels a million different things, including whatever you're feeling right now, right? Because <laughs> you are yourself and you're feeling it. So, yeah. um, and of course there, there can be avoidance as we, and this is sort of review of, of last episode, but, um, you can find yourself not watching these movies or, you know, trying not to, uh, maybe, canceling on a friend because they want to see something that you think is going to be triggering. And the idea with all of these things, like we said, like, don't ask for the reassurance. Don't find, go back in your mind and try to figure out any of the things you might be inclined to figure out. Um, stop yourself when you're reaching toward that thing to touch it, to see if it's, mm-hmm. you can physically feel it and lean in. Right. I think avo- avoidance is the most important thing to do active exposure work around for the obvious reasons, right? Like if you're not going out and living your life because you're avoiding things, then we do have to do some active exposure work in that situation. (laughs) Yeah. But, and and going into values too, is like, it's important that um, I am, you know, very engaged with my friendship and, that might mean that I'm going to get triggered because we're going to go watch a movie together and spending time is a really important value of mine. Yep. Yeah. So true. So hopefully that kind of outlines though, what we mean when we say exposure and response prevention and specifically with this subtype is, you know, and why the response prevention piece unto itself is so important because you can imagine that you're, you know, going throughout your day and somebody is like, you ever see that movie, The Truman Show? And all of a sudden you're, you're, oh, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
And yeah, and that you can find yourself wanting to check to see if you feel real, wanting to reach out to touch that thing to see if if you can feel it there Mm -hmm. or ask for reassurance. And what we want to do is to say, "Mm, I'm not going to figure that out. I don't know whether or not I'm living in the Truman Show. I've I made a decision about how I'm going to handle that, that thought, you right. know, because it doesn't ultimately matter whether or not I'm living in the Truman show. I, you know, maybe I am, maybe I'm not probably not, but. Yeah. But might as well live my best Truman show life. I'm going to live my best Truman show life. Yes. Be a top selling show, you know? Hey, make, make it interesting for people. Right. <laughs> Don't be too dangerous, but yeah, make it. No, no. <laughs> yeah. And I know we talk about, we say this in our intro and outro, but like, it's really important to acknowledge here too, that if you're in therapy or if you're, even if you're not in therapy, but you're, you know, you're getting, you're reading things or you're getting support from somebody, I guess mostly it's in therapy. Wow. <clears throat> but I digress. Um, Wait, what are we saying? Uh, the point, Walter. Yeah. Essentially, the, that um, when when you are in therapy and you're working on exposure and response prevention, it's important that you follow what you and your therapist are coming up with conjointly. Like this isn't therapy. We're here to talk about how this whole business works, so that you can support yourself in navigating the system. But um, you know, we're not saying go out and watch the Truman show. If this happens to be you, right? Like that's something that takes a lot of nuance to determine like, is this the the best time for me to start doing that, that degree of exposure work? And am I, am I going to do the response prevention? Because as Kelly said before, if you do the exposure and you don't do the response prevention, you're basically just torturing torturing yourself. Yeah. Undo distress. Yeah. Um, yeah, well said. I think especially with this subtype of OCD, there is definitely a level of, um, checking online Mm -hmm. for people who have same or similar diagnoses and making sure this is OCD or not. So I think in particular to be wary of, looking to us or anyone else who isn't your therapist and running with an idea. Yeah. Yeah. Check in with with the people that are on your team who know you. Yeah. Who've mapped out the OCD very well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So in terms of other exposures, right? Like we've, we've kind of talked about it's whatever's going to trigger you on purpose. That's the exposure part. So if we're looking at things like dissociation, which is a really common trigger for people with this, um, it could be almost inducing it in a way like um, being in the shower, uh, driving your car, like anything that already generates a level of dissociation because humans dissociate all day long on certain levels and they fluctuate. And the thing is, is if you have a panic attack, it's likely that person dissociates a little bit too. Mm-hmm. But anything that I th- I think, and tell me if you have anything to add, but like a trance-like state where your brain can go on autopilot. Um, yeah. So stuff yeah. that doesn't require like really intense concrete thinking. It's just automatic, like mm-hmm. driving. 
Yes. And I will say just for whatever it's worth, because I know that this is not what you meant, but I can imagine watching it like, oh, well, translate state. Maybe I should take like a, a drug, right? No. Like, <laughs> we're not advocating for that. And again, no. not direct advice anyway, but uh, it's more something habitual in day-to-day life where you're going to be a little checked out. Um, but like not- you don't have to th- concretely think about how to fold your clothes. Right. Or yeah. drive a car. Um, and w- one of the things actually that tends to induce that sense of derealization uh, is writing the same thing over and over and over again. Ooh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. And what's cool is that you can kind of meld exposures here. You could totally. say like, I may not be real. I may not be real over and over and over again. So you're going to both like be doing exposure to this idea, but also the the writing of it itself is going to potentially create the state that is of unreality that's triggering. That's such a good one. That would be a good one for like the mental health obsessions too. Like I'm going crazy. I'm losing my mind. Losing my girl. Wow. You know, uh, it's all a bit sadistic, isn't it? Um, yeah. But yeah. So I, I think, I think you're absolutely spot on in citing that we, you know, we call those interoceptive exposures when we're, when we're trying to elicit that sort of felt experience, um, which you see a lot with panic disorder. It's like, Oh, I'm going to run so that I get my heart rate up and my, my breath is short. Uh, or which, drink a bunch of coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Let's Ooh. see what happens. Ooh. Sounds like, I think, the also the protocols like breathing through a straw, right? Mm-hmm. It's been a while since I've done a panic exposure, but yeah, or spinning around in a chair. Yeah, I mean, if someone did that to me, I'd probably vomit. But Ooh, which could be a great emetophobia exposure. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I think, um, and again, it's it's important to remember that once you do this, like once if you're writing the the phrase, I might not be real over and over again you might notice that there are these invitations to figure out whether or not you're real. Absolutely. And that goes back to the Truman Show exposure mm-hmm. or even like recording that on loop in your headphones and listening to it. Like there's lots of opportunity to go, oh, am I? But to remember like our job, primary directive is to come back. Yes. is I'm you not figuring that. that out right now. Yeah. I'm not doing that. Who knows? Maybe. Right. And with the the realistic expectation that just by doing that exposure does not mean your anxiety is going to go away or that feeling of the not feeling real aspect, that's not what we're going for here. Unfortunately, um, it's not going to magically go away. It's not. And the whole, as we've talked about so many times, the whole point of treatment is to get better at feeling those feelings. So we're bringing them up on purpose so that you can learn to settle in for the ride. Yeah. To learn how to feel it, to feel, feel it without it, treating it like it's dangerous. Yeah. A lot of people will say, well, I have no choice, but to feel it. Oh, that's so true. Yeah. I feel anxious all the time. Why would I... Right. Like, why would I make myself more anxious? And it's like, well, actually, are you feeling it though when it comes up or are you trying to get rid of it? And then it lasts way longer than it needs to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
because you do have a choice. You could fight it. You can fight it. And, yeah. I've tried. <laughs> oh, good Lord, me too. Yeah, yeah. Um, not effective, unfortunately, as we've said so many times. But right. But what happens is that your brain kind of um, moves on. If you just yeah. let it. Yeah. It's going to do it on its own. Yeah. Yeah. It has its own agenda. But I I say that because if we're doing a tape on loop or we're writing out that exposure, like this, I may not be real. I may not be real over and over. And as like, we're on to like minute two of it and that person's feeling more anxiety or the same amount of anxiety, their brain's like, well, this isn't working. It's like, well, that's not the point of the exercise. The exercise is just to feel it. And then we're going to move on with our day with something else of value. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing that occurred to me as uh, you were talking a minute ago um, is that it's, and in terms of this whole resisting an emotional experience, uh, one analogy that we might use is it's like being on a train right? You are on a train. You are not, you are not driving the train. No, you are not. You are a passenger. We're on the Polar Express, folks. Oh my gosh. We're, I just read that to my daughter for the first time today. Oh, oh. <laughs> love that book. Um, Tell me when you'd read the Velveteen Rabbit. Cause... Oh, I have, uh, that one makes me cry. Yeah. Ah. So anyway, the, we're on the Polar Express, as it were, of our minds, and the, it takes us through all sorts of emotional terrain, and it takes a, it brings up all sorts of thoughts. We don't get to choose that. Mm-hmm. You could sit and go, I really wish I was driving this train, right? <laughs> and like just sort of get really upset about it and fight it and like grit your teeth and like knock really hard on the conductor's yeah. door and be like, I deserve to drive this train, right? But none of those things are going to make it so that you're driving it. Yeah, it's true. We're talking about like suffering at this point when we do that. Exactly. But you can decide what your train ride within the con- context of that particular train of is Of being going a passenger. To- yeah. Like, yeah. What it's going to be like. Like, are you going to spend time chatting with your neighbor on the train uh, who's also in their pajamas because we're on the Polar Express? Mm. Um or are you going to like, you know, lay back and, and kick up your feet and feel the cushions beneath your, beneath your behind or, yeah, you know, are you going to read a book or, right? Like all of these different things that you can do while you are on this ride, but it doesn't make sense to fight upstream to, to resist what is actually happening. Yeah. It's a great analogy. It's Thanks. a great analogy. I mean, I find myself doing that on planes. <clears throat> yeah. Like I want to be in control and I want to know what's going on and tensing up every time there's a movement and then realizing the tensing isn't preventing the plane from crashing or having turbulence. No, it is not. So I need to, I have found like breathing, progressive muscle relaxation is what I need to do to try to foster 
my best plane ride experience ever, which is already very low. (laughs) (laughs) We're talking about a low bar. Low bar is like, let's survive. Let's redirect our mind. Let's try to engage with our friend on the plane or being alone and listening to music, whatever it is. But like, just like the physical tension too, that goes on in doing exposures, like Mm. reading a story that triggers this obsession or um, writing this down or watching a movie is like noticed too. Like, are you super tense? Because that's sending messages to your brain that like this is scary and dangerous. Yeah, yeah. And also, it's important to note that some of that is within your control, right? Like, you can do progressive muscle relaxation, but sometimes it's just like, can we make space for the tension? Yeah. Right? Can can we soften in the face of the physical tension? Um, because sometimes people are like, oh, well, no, but I'm tense. So I now have to get rid of the tension. It's like, no, no, true. (laughs) True. No, you don't have to get rid of the tension. You just have to be willing to sort of be with whatever's coming up, but don't, don't further the tension. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You can observe it. Exactly. Any other thoughts? Um, I'm trying to think about the other existential variants we spoke about. Sure. Um, like the the stuff around death and dying. Yeah. Death and dying is one that we should probably give some airtime to. Yeah. Um, will you remind me uh, the compulsions we went over? Do you remember? Um, I mean, I think that they were much the same as the ones we were just talking about. Um, we talked some about reassurance seeking and how, um, especially with kiddos, that's something that comes up a lot. And so reassurance seeking also sort of mentally trying to figure out how you're going to deal with things in the future. Um, that's uh, so rumination is definitely part of it. Um, Right. Like almost planning out how am I going to respond when all these people die and um, mapping out even like what that's like. Yeah. Like what it looks like and what the funeral will be like. And and how will I be able to feel the feelings that I'm going to feel and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah sort of projecting into the future, testing yourself, like you're going to somehow prepare yourself for this inevitability. Right. Um, Yeah. And even you could take that into your own death as well. If that's, if that's your primary fear that, that, you know, okay, well, what will it be like in that last moment, trying to figure it out, trying to resolve it. Yeah. Um, And again, the, the response prevention is dropping those those behaviors, whether reassurance seeking, um, like about whether or not somebody's sick or going to die soon, or, or it's ruminating about whether, like how you would deal with it, or even you could find yourself ruminating about somebody else's health, right? Like, oh, well, are they showing symptoms of X, Y, Z? And also like optimizing the amount of time you spend with them, Mm -hmm. right? Which Which is tricky. It is tricky and it also feeds into like, um, am I living my best? It could be. It could also look like that, an obsession on that. Like, am I living my best version of my life? Yeah. 
Um, and I could see this being super tricky where it's, you know, I really care about this person. It's my value to spend quality time with this person. And then you go, well, then where's the exposure? Um, yeah. And I think that, yeah. And you could get caught up in like, well, am I supposed to spend time with them or not? And that's where right. I think the, the emphasis on exposure is so problematic because Agreed. It, it's not about whether or not you spend time with that person. It's about what you do while you're spending time right. with that person and whether or not you're in your mind trying to grasp every moment, which is such a nebulous concept, right? Like how does one grasp with one's mind? But if you've been there, I think you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Or if you feel like, okay, it's so like, I must see them right now because I just had a really scary thought of them dying. Yeah. Then we can wait a minute. Yeah. You know, like that's, <laughs> yes, that's, yeah. that one's pretty obvious, but it's not yeah. always that obvious. And there is a lot of nuance. And like what Warren's saying is that as long as we're not sitting there just mourning this inevitable loss because we're all dying, well, then we're just going to have to be with it. Yeah. Can I be with the feeling without perpetuating the story? Yes. The narrative in my mind, yeah. chewing on it, so to speak. Uh, the mental yeah. chew. The mental chew. <laughs> Taste the rainbow. <laughs> so intense. <laughs> Oh my God. It is, it is so intense. Stop chewing. Yeah. I mean, even this weekend, I'm not going to lie. I was spinning a little bit. I was like, I don't feel right. Something feels mm. off. And part of that is, you know, I'm not trying to give myself reassurance, but just to like lay it out is like, things are different in my life a little bit. And my schedule's different because the holiday and the moment my brain notices something different, it's like, Oh, What's that? What is that, girl? What is it, Lassie? Get, get it, girl. Yeah. Where's your ball? And I'm like, should I call Lauren? Am I going to be okay? And I'm like, oh, fuck this. Like, I'm not doing this right now. Like, yeah. let's, you got a shower. Like, let's go. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> you got so, stuff to do. <laughs> and And that's hard sometimes for people if they haven't been through this show before. Yeah. Is like there's something about exposure and response prevention that feels cold and mm. mechanical is like, well, that person doesn't care about my feelings. Like I'm talking, you know, I have compassion and I'm kind to myself, but I'm also like, let's go. Like we don't want to be yeah. in this space trying to figure out whether or not your brain feels normal or yeah. not. <laughs> let's not do that. Yeah. Shall we? Let's let's just skip that part. And move on. And yeah. I think that's where humor, as we talk about so often, can play a, a huge role in recovery because in that moment, like saying to, we said this earlier in the episode, right? But like snap out of it, like <laughs> and chant and remembering Cher and Moonstruck, right? Like that that's going to sort of bring a levity to it. Yeah. But there's also a firmness and a directness of like, no, 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 we're not, we're not doing that right mm -hmm. now. No. Mm -mm. You know what you gotta do, <laughs> and it's just not this. No, it's not this. You just gotta yeah. live your best off life. Yeah, yeah. Because pretty soon your hands not gonna look real, and that's gonna <laughs> really be weird. <laughs> You're not gonna yeah. know who's breathing. Who's in your lung? Are you breathing? Is it you? What's free or will? Is, it... is free will exist? <laughs> oh no! Oh my god! Yeah, and then just no, no thing. 
no, thank you. And then move on. Yeah. <laughs> we're not doing that. Um, and, and I know we're giggling, but, and I do want to acknowledge like, this is really scary stuff. It really is. Oh my God. It's the scariest, all of it. And the bringing in that, that laughter is, is really to help sort of like snap us, snap us out of it. Right. right. And get us back into living life, um, on our terms. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah. Well, yeah. any other final parting thoughts? No. Well, just go out and live your your best Truman Show life ever. Yeah. Put on put on a great show. Really. Put on a good show. <laughs> Let's see what you got. Uh, and we'll be back next time with a new theme. And uh, our schedule is a little bit different in the coming weeks. Actually, we've got. Um, next Monday, December 4th, we'll be, we'll be meeting and, and recording. And again, on the 18th, we're doing every other week at the moment, but with the holidays, um, we're going to be taking off the 25th and the 1st and coming back on January the 8th, January the 8th of 2024. How weird is that? So weird. And with uh, on that note, speaking of a, a sense of unreality, <laughs> that's not a real date. Um, <laughs> We hope to see you next week, uh, and in the meantime, take good care. Yeah, as always, it's good to talk about things with you. Always good to talk about things with you, too. TTFN. Yeah. Ta-ta for now. Ta-ta. Thanks for joining us. Just as a reminder, this podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended as a replacement for therapy. If you need further support, we encourage you to seek treatment with a registered professional who specializes in OCD. If you have a moment, we'd love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us any feedback by reviewing us on your podcast app of choice. You can find past episodes on our website at purelyocd.com. Remember, this podcast is for you, so please let us know what you would like to hear. We want to make our message as helpful as it can be. We hope you will join us in the future as we continue our discussion on all things OCD.